your host, Josh Buckhalter. Um, you're going to follow me, follow me, man, on Twitter at Josh G. Buck, uh, Facebook page, Jukes and Jumpers. Uh, the website is jukesandjumpers.wordpress.com, and the email is jukesjumps at gmail.com. Um, jump right into it, man. We had a great game uh, Thursday night football between the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys. The Bears, the home team, came away with a victory 31-24, and the game was not nearly as close as the final score suggests. Uh, Dallas came out, first of all, Dallas came out and marched right down the field. Uh, 17-play drive, uh, longest drive of the season for any team in the NFL this year. Uh, and just and punch one in with an Ezekiel Elliott uh, two-yard plunge on converted two fourth downs. Um, it, it or that was later on, but anyway, at any rate, um, yeah, they came in, they got seven points, and then the Bears on their next drive, um, Trubisky Mitchell Trubisky threw uh interception at like the two-yard line, so it was a rough start to say the least. But then the Bears rattled off seventeen unanswered points in the second quarter, uh, and then got seven more in the third, and then in the fourth. Um, Dallas did try to make a late rally again. Obviously, uh, the score, final score was closer than, like I said, uh, the actual game was. They got 17 in the fourth quarter, but the Bears were running the ball. They were extremely balanced in uh, offense and defense. We saw uh, Anthony Miller continue to be a, a safety valve for Mitchell Trubisky uh, out of the slide. Allen Robinson continued to just make spectacular plays and timely plays. They found a tight end. Go figure. Jesper Horstead, uh has has come on of late. Making his presence felt. He had four catches, 36 yards. Um, JP Holtz, three catches, 56 yards. But Allen Robinson, like I said, five catches, 48 yards, two touchdowns. He had a, a hell of a game. And then Anthony Miller got his first touchdown of the season, three catches, 42 yards for him. Um, David Montgomery had 86 yards on 20 carries. He fumbled, and it was a bad fumble because it was one of those he was trying to fight for extra yards. And the play could have been blown then, but more importantly, there was a, a, a lesson for him to learn when to learn to uh, live to fight another play. And uh, he, he was fighting for yards, like I said, and the ball just got ripped out. Um, but a, a good effort. Good to see that he's being there. They are continuing to use him. Trubisky, though, ran 10 times, 63 yards, and he had a touchdown himself. I actually wrote in uh, the article for Last Word on Pro Football that the, the Bears will be looking to emulate what the Buffalo Bills did against Dallas last week. Uh, Josh uh, Allen had 10 carries for 43 yards, and Mitch had 43 early on, and was moving on them and, and giving them fits. You know, the, the Cowboys have struggled with mobile quarterbacks all year. So, Trubisky exploited it, but, but it's important because that was an aspect of his game that had been missing for most of the season. And when he ran, it seemed like it was forced. And it was, seemed like it was forced to start this game, too, but he got into a rhythm pretty quickly after that first uh, hiccup. And for all the criticism, I have to get this out. For all the criticism that I, I put on uh, Trubisky, many of us put on Trubisky, when he's right, it looks good. The problem is you just don't know when you're going to get it. Now, if he can ever find consistency, he's going to be a, a, a really good quarterback. I don't know about great. I'm not sure about, you know, how much he elevates every those, those around him, but he's, he is a good leader. Um, he's, he's tough. I'm not going to ever say he's not tough. Uh, and it was pointed out uh, online uh, by Eric Lambert of Sports Mockery how since Trubisky has uh, had thrown the the or was benched a couple of games ago, a few games ago, that he uh, the offense scored fifty five points and that he had I believe seven touchdowns or was it nine touchdowns? Uh, Got to double check just to make sure I don't want to give out the wrong seven touchdowns and uh, fifty five points since he went to the bench, and it's kind of speaks to what they say about him that he's a leader. He kind of felt like he let everybody down. Nagy said this after the game, like that's what was, the conversation was about. Like Mitch felt like he let everybody down. Um, but I can't, 
I can't I can't not acknowledge that he played well. He played really well, and I I was giving him a lot of flag for the last three weeks. Uh, everybody's saying you know he's been playing well for weeks now, and it's against the Lions and against the uh, the Giants, two poor secondaries, two poor defenses, and two poor teams, and uh and against the Rams he didn't do much of anything. Against the Eagles he didn't do much of anything. So that's where my my trepidation came from. But I was also worried about the defense and how they would handle things because they had been giving up points to the Lions and to the Giants. Um, so it was it was good to see the defense rally after that initial touchdown. I was I was, was a lot of a lot of furniture, also some furniture movement going on when they gave up that early touchdown. I was like, it's going to be a long night, man. But they came back and they answered, and they bounced back after the the, the interception, a couple of three and outs in the middle there when the Bears got a lull. Um, they shut down. The passing game most of the night, Mark Cooper was, was was held quiet most of the game. He ended up getting uh hit, getting his and a late touchdown. Um, Brett Maher was basically a bear tonight. Missed a, missed a field goal, missed uh kicked the, uh, uh kickoff out of bounds. Just wasn't a good night for him. The Cowboys have kicking goals, something that Bears fans are are very very much uh familiar with, but not on this night. Uh, Eddie Pinero was good. For good as gold on the night, good as gold, Robbie Gold. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's it, it, it was a, a big win for both teams. They both came in six and six. Um, the Bears did a, the offensive line did a really good job of keeping Mitch clean. That was a surprise. Cleo Mack got a sack. Um, it was it was a all around really good performance. And a special shout out to Cordero Patterson, who, if you remember, was uh, talking about uh, he was being mentioned in the media for for requesting to play tight end to help out. Um, that wasn't needed, but it's good to see him do it. And then tonight he ended up getting a big, uh, a big catch, thirty something yards on the screen, took it himself, and, and showed the extra effort. He just plays tough. He he got, you know, he's a, a dangerous kick returner. Um, just one of those football players that you really need on your team to get guys to buy in. He's he's a guy that that has bought in and just wants to play, wants to be on the field. However, uh, he can help. That's that was great to see. Um, of course, everything wasn't great. There was the interception. There were a couple of bad throws. It's just hard to really nitpick. Mitch finished uh, 74% completion, 244 yards, three tugs, one pick, uh, only took two sacks. He had 115.5 quarterback rating. Um, 63 yards on the ground in the tutty. I didn't I didn't think he would run 10 times, and I didn't think he would have that kind of production, but I thought that it would be necessary for it to uh, happen. That's what I wrote uh, in last in the article for Last Word on Pro Football. As I said, uh, they they did what the what the Bills did, and then they they made Dallas one dimensional in doing so. Um, Dallas did go away from from Elliott a little quick, especially after the early success that he had to try to uh, keep up with what the Bears were doing. It seemed like um, Elliott finished the game with nineteen carries for eighty one yards. So it's not like they went away with him from him completely, but it was just him running the ball. So you get the picture there. But the, again, when you fall down, when you fall behind, that's what happens. I'm not a big fan of that uh, of that that. Uh, you 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 see the teams that win more run the ball. We, we know that we did see more play action, and if if you've been with me for for the beginning of the show, you know that that's something that I have been harping on since episode one and in the writings before that. Because man, Mitch is is a dangerous weapon when he gets outside of the pocket. When uh, he has that play action to kind of bring the defense up, and uh, for for the aside from the fumble, Montgomery runs so hard. When he finds his crease, he's taking a couple of guys with him for about three to four yards, uh, at least, and he falls forward. You just want to see this consistently. 
You want to see this, and I'm not just talking about from the players. We know we need to see it from Mitch consistently, but the guys around him, the, the focus level, um, the the uh, Anthony Miller running the right route, stuff like that, the, the not dropping passes, um, and Allen Robinson for his great season, he went over a thousand yards um, tonight. But for his great season, I think it's important to remember that he started the season with a lot of drops. Remember, he was one of the biggest contributors to it, and uh, he's got 898. I'm sorry. Um, seven touchdowns, eight hundred ninety-eight yards this year. Um, to, but to see him have have such cleaned it up and become such a, a vital weapon, there was there was talk that uh, he wasn't necessarily a top-flight guy along some circles. But to see it, see him deliver week in and week out, and 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 carry this offense most weeks this season has been something to uh to behold. Amari Cooper, like I said, he had six catches for eighty-three yards, but he was in a touchdown. But he was mostly uh, held in check. He was held in check for most of the night. So, the, I, I, the, they did this without Prince of Mukamara. Kevin Tolliver came in and had to hold down one of the corner spots, and they tested him a couple times. He got beat, but it wasn't anything worse than what Prince has done, and that's not to knock Prince. Um, it's not, no secret I'm not the biggest fan of his, but uh, I know the value of uh, that he brings. He's a tough guy. Um, playing corner, especially being on an island, you're going to get beat sometimes. That's the way it happens, but I digress. Um, Bears two picks. Uh, it was a good game. I'm 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 not searching to find criticism. I'm just I'm trying to find the words to explain how how thorough of of a dominating performance this was, considering how close the final score was. Um, both teams, like I said, came in six and six, and, and Dallas now still leading the division, but they're leading it at six and seven, which is odd. The the, the NFC East is a, is a mess right now, but the Bears have completed phase one of Operation Make the Playoffs. Um, at the start of the season, so so rocky, they've now won three straight, and was it five of their four of their last five, I believe. They are they are looking like a team that can get if they're getting hot at the right time. Look out because it, it's still the team that we thought it could be. They did lose. Roquan Smith to a pectoral injury, and it does look like he's going to be done for the rest of the year. Um, they are hoping to get Akeem Hicks back next week against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. Uh, that would be huge, but uh, losing losing Roquan is a blow. But shout out to Nick Wachowski who filled in for who was filling in for Danny Gervathan, who left a few weeks ago with the elbow injury. Um, and then Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who I gave some flack earlier on this year and in the preseason for uh, his performances, but he he stepped up in a big way and made his presence felt tonight uh, when when Roquan went down. Um, there was uh, uh, some some a uh, bit of an injury scare with David Montgomery, but I didn't hear anything else about that, so I'm, I think that he should be uh, okay. But yeah, the Bears play uh, at Green Bay. They host Kansas City at Minnesota. You just you just hope that. Uh, if they if they get this this win in in Lambeau, their confidence. A team, this is a team that thrives on confidence. Mitch is a quarterback that thrives on confidence. If they go into Lambeau and, and somehow manage to get this win, ball control, doing what they what they did tonight and and the past few games of playing that balanced style of offense where you're handing the ball off and Mitch is not having to do everything. And then when he doesn't, the stuff that he does looks that much better because he's not pressing and it's it's clean. The the protection was good. I'm just and. Um, since Bobby Massey's gone down, uh, Cornelius, Lucas, Cornelius Lucas has filled in admirably. Um, there's just not—it's—it's it's crazy how much they've gone through and how they're still in a position to 
potentially make, they still need some help. They do need the Vikings to lose. Uh, they need the Rams to lose, but they are holding up as much as they can control. And if they went out like they need to do, they, there's a, there is a scenario where they could uh, go nine and seven, but obviously you don't want to leave it up to that kind of chance. If they do manage to win out, though, it would be a testament to how, how the fortitude of this team and the makeup of this team is something that I, I think we were all questioning at points uh, to begin with. Um, game ball to Mitch, man. Game ball to Mitch. I, I gave the, I give the man a lot of crap, crap, and I'm not completely sold off of this. I know. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are a great team. I think they're a talented team. I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're a greatly uh, uh, well-coached team. Um, but it was a good performance tonight. What does it mean for the future? Probably means he's going to be, he's gonna be the, the quarterback going into camp next season. I'm interested to see, and I've been saying this for a, week, a couple of weeks now, who they bring in to compete with him. They said they're going to, they're, or that they didn't say, but the, the thought is that they will bring in some, some competition and who they bring in, I think tells you, will tell you whether or not they're serious about bringing in competition or whether they're just trying to bring in another body, um, to kind of create that for Mitch. Who knows? I, I don't think that he should get the contract yet. We need to see it. Now he's got time because this could be, this is this right here could be contract earning time. And like I said, this is the time to get hot. If you're going to get hot, now is the best possible time for it to happen. So, um, three tough games, two on the road. Um, you get the toughest one at home. So that's a plus. The la- the, the week 17 against the Vikings, no slight, but some slight. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't think the Vikings game is a tough one. I think it's the the next two that are the real nail biters. Um, and then what happens with the Vikings before they get to the Bears? If the Bears are the only need to be the one that gets them, if the if they they just need that one more loss for the Vikings in Week 17, I have full confidence that the Bears will go out and make sure that they do it. And I don't know if it's returning the favor, but kind of get a little bit of a of a a repeat of last year in some way, shape, or form of how they. Knock the Vikings out last year. If they could knock the Vikings out again this year to allow themselves to, oh, oh, that'd be poetic. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. They have a lot. Uh, they got the Packers next week, and that's all that matters. Um, the Packers will actually be taking on the Redskins, so um, they'll probably roll in at, at ten and three uh, coming in. Uh, some other interesting games: the Ravens take on the Bills. Ravens are ten and two. The Bills are nine and three after that win that they had over the Cowboys. The Bills last week, and the Ravens beat the uh, San Francisco Forty ers this game is going to be two tough defenses, two dynamic quarterbacks. Um, still like the Ravens. Lamar is my even in my MVP. Um, I know we liked what Russ did. I just I can't not. I've been on the Lamar train. I got off for like a week and now I'm back. I just I'm not going anywhere. Ten and two, loving every minute of it, and I hope everybody is really appreciating what you're seeing. If you didn't get to see Mike Vick, if you're too young for Mike Vick, um, this is not the not an exact copy, but man, this is about as close, and it might be a little bit better because of the I think the level of refinement as a passer is higher at this stage than Michael Vick was um, when he was early in his Atlanta career. Um, you got the one in 11 Bengals against the five and seven Browns. And I'm just mentioning that because the Bengals have their one win. Um, they're probably still going to get Joe Burrow, but they have their one win. And I just want to see if they beat the Browns and the Browns have, have really uh, botched this uh, kind of remake of the dream team. The Eagles had from a few years back. Um, I told you about the Packers hosting the Redskins, Dwayne Hassett's. Look, I'm not a Redskins fan, but a victory by the Redskins, a nice surprise, Thunder catching the Packers off guard, looking forward to the Bears. Who knows? Who knows? 
who knows, <laughs> would be greatly appreciated. Then you got the Lions and the Vikings. Now, listen, the Lions will be, I believe, starting David Blau again uh, coming into this game. But if they are able to to steal one in Minnesota and put them behind the A ball and apply a little bit more pressure, listen, that would just mean all the world to uh, a lot of people here in Illinois. Then you have the Saints and the 49ers, and that's going to be a good game. The tough defense against that Saints offense. Um, both teams sitting at 10 and 2. These are the kind of matchups that I think now we saw one last week with the with the Ravens and the the 49ers, but I think this is one where it kind of pits Jimmy Garoppolo against a better measuring stick, if only because he's not when you compare him to Lamar, they're gonna compare the passing yards. And Lamar's passing yards aren't as high right now because he also runs. But all of Breeze's yards will be coming through the air. So to see Seeing what he does against Jimmy and how accurate he is will be a good, uh, a, a good way to measure the tone, I guess, about around him right around Garoppolo right now. I'm not one who is sold on him. I still feel like they're going to ultimately lose. Not I don't want to say because of him because that sounds like a blame thing, but more like he won't be able to elevate them uh, above the current state state of the team. They're a young and experienced team. They're learning to win together. That defense is for real, but I don't think the offense is just quite there yet. Um, they're still dealing with injuries. They're supposed to get Matt Breida back. But I expect the Saints, the Saints to win this game and, and the 49ers to take another blow to their uh, top-seeded standing. Um, they already are number two now because the Seahawks won their game last week. Um, moving on around the rest of the NFL. Not really a light schedule, interesting schedule, an interesting game. Uh, the Titans at 75 taking on the Raiders. The Raiders are trying to battle their way back into the AFC picture. Um, the Titans are sitting there right now uh, in second and, and have battled their way back behind Ryan Tannehill. It's just two teams seemingly in different tra- trajectories because the Titans um, are probably a place where the Raiders are going to be looking like uh, come next year, maybe with a rookie sitting behind a veteran or something like that. But there's going to be a, a change in the way everything is is, is going. So um, one thing that I think we do have to remember is uh, that the Raiders have the Bears pick and their own pick. So while they might be uh, falling in the standings, the Bear or while the Bears might be still doing well and, and rising in the standings, the, the Raiders are actually dropping. So either way, they're going to have a top 10 pick more than likely or uh, a very high eye on. Uh, but this ain't your granddaddy's Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is another year in. Let's see if, uh, you know, maybe he's, he's, uh, hopefully he's, he's still able to go out there and do what he does against uh, this Patriots defense that had shown a little bit, a couple of cracks the past few weeks with the quarterbacks who can move. Now, he's not a, a runner by any stretch. He's more of a pocket passer, obviously, but he does uh, he does uh, uh, scramble and extend the play, and that's given the, the Patriots problem. So uh, I think that when you do see that, then – or if he's able to to maintain that, then he'll be he'll be fine, and the, and the Chiefs will get another win. The Patriots will slide some more because that offense of the Patriots is just not equipped to go back and forth with a team like the Chiefs. Um, and then you got the Seahawks and the Rams. Rams still fighting for their lives at, at uh, seven and five. Seahawks are ten and two, but the the, the Eagles now sitting at five and seven and after all the tumult, after all the turmoil that they had uh, coming into the last few weeks, now to be in a position to possibly take back. Uh, or be in contention for the division again. That's crazy. That's crazy to even consider for them because it was just a couple of weeks ago when it didn't seem like they had a choice to do or any chance to do anything because of how how uh, how bad everything was with them. Um, 
so this week's gonna be interesting to be it'll be wild to see how everything ends up ultimately going um because i just don't know i don't know how it's gonna turn out and i just want to see hopefully the the bears can make it all they can really worry about is is uh going out and and taking care of their business but if the lions and the seahawks want to give them a boost real quick that would be much appreciated they both you know need them themselves i'm not sure the lions do they're not necessarily uh in contention for anything but they uh the seahawks definitely would like to stay ahead of the the 49ers there switching gears real quick to uh the one more topic actually before i switch gears the 49ers broadcaster tim ryan was uh during a broadcast made a mention of lamar jackson's skin tone and how that is and somehow an aid in what jackson does with the ball and i saw some people that were defending him and he had some a couple of the 49ers players uh um, D Ford, uh, Richard Sherman came to his defense, and Tim Ryan is a for, former player. But the thing about it is, while the comment and they, they keep saying the comment is it, uh, there was no malice behind it. But I think it's important to remember that there doesn't have to be malice for it to be uh, racially insensitive. Okay, we'll we'll go there, and that's not a term I can use. It's either racist or it's not. And I, well, you know, what? I'm not even going to go. It was a racist comment, and here's why. He's attributing the the level of of skill that Lamar is displaying uh, on these handoffs strictly to, or not strictly to, but in part to his his skin tone and the uniform and the football. Well, a the, Lamar is not the first black quarterback. He's not the first black quarterback to wear a dark uniform, and he's not the first black quarterback to wear a dark uniform to hand the ball off to his running back. So I'm not sure where this uh where that notion came from now. Richard Sherman came out and said that, you know, hey, you know, watching film, we had trouble trying to locate and that's that, that, that. That's cool and that might be well and true, but the fact of the matter is that statement is a slight to the work and the ability of a Lamar Jackson and attributing it something to an, an, uh, an innate. It, it's. You're attributing his skill to his skin tone and saying that, oh, it's not because he's actually good at it or he's running it better, or he's doing it better, or the threat of his legs. You could even have said that it's because of the threat of his legs. And it would have been better than saying, well, the dark skin on the dark, that's terrible. And again, if it, if for no other reason, then he's not the first black quarterback. So I don't know how that's like, oh yeah, that's valid. But the hell it is. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, okay, so I just had to get that out there. That's not something that, uh, you know, they suspended him, the 49ers suspended him. Um, again, the, the couple of players came out to defend him. That's a, a race, racist comment. I'm not saying he's a racist, but that is a racist comment and one that I think, uh, if you not even have to look hard, but just understand what he's actually saying. He's saying, you know, he's, 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 he's good at these things. You look there and he's got the dark skin, dark jersey, dark, uh, football, and you, you can't see it. Don't diminish somebody's ability that way, in that way. And I saw a great example uh, online from, I think, believe, I believe it's from Xavier Pope. And he said, uh, would you say that uh, Nolan Ryan was good because he was a, the, you couldn't see the ball in his hand against his jersey? And it was just one of those things like, you know, that's not something that you say. Like I said, he's not the first black quarterback. He's not the first black quarterback to hand the ball off with a dark jersey on. None of those things. So I don't know where that was supposed to be a valid argument for him. So. That's just that. Um, stupid comment. Moving on. Uh, switching gears to the NBA. 
Uh, the Chicago Bulls, man, they they take on they took on the Memphis Grizzlies and got a, a big performance from Zach Levine and from uh, Zach Levine late and Larry Markkinen throughout most of the game uh, and got the W over the Memphis Grizzlies the other night. And then uh, Friday night they will be taking on everything wants to freeze up when I try to to try to pull it up. Uh, they're taking on the, the Golden State Warriors to get a chance at their redemption. Um, Bulls are sitting at eight and fourteen right now. They're still in the losing record, obviously, but they're they're within earshot of uh, the eighth seed. Um, they you might not believe they deserve to make it, but they are uh, still only three games back. What well, so early that it probably doesn't really count right now. You know, not count probably it doesn't. But uh, they they like I said they got the the, the win the other night. Um, late game heroics by Zach Levine again. Um, and he's averaging uh, I believe the stat that I saw was from uh Stephen No. He was averaging thirty points over his last five games and and shooting fifty percent plus from three point line from three point range. Zach's killing right now. And the thing that I've noticed the most, and I'm not the only, I'm not trying to say like I'm I'm breaking ground here, but the the the, the video circulating of the players avoiding mo- uh, boiling in big moments. A few games ago when they played the Hornets and Zach hit the buzzer beater, players were coming off the bench and celebrating, and everybody kind of looked. And Zach kind of looked at Boylan and avoided him, and everybody kind of stayed away. Um. After this game against the Grizzlies, same thing happened. There was a, a moment in the game where Boylan called the players over, called Lowry, Kobe, and uh, Zach over, and they kind of just looked apathetic to what he was saying. Nobody really had uh, any intention of trying to hear him. And that's 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 a bigger issue that I, I, I kind of notice is are they are – they, they're, they're kind of winning and coming together despite him. Now, I don't know if you want to attribute that, that that's a good thing, um, but we've kind of seen Boylan lose the guys – with he's lost, he's definitely lost the public opinion, the court of public opinion. He had seemed to have won the players over last year, starting with Zach, and then with the benching of Zach, who, to which Zach responded with forty nine points. Again, something that you could say, well, that he, you responded well to him benching you, but it seems the players have more rallied around Zach than anything. Um, if you recall, I was talking about it uh, at the last episode of the one before how uh, Zach was sticking by Laurie publicly throughout his struggles and showing his leadership. Um, and even when he went out and scored the, the, the 50 ball against uh, Charlotte and after being benched, it was like, that's still leadership because while he, while you want to see him defend more, what he was showing is that, look, I can get buckets in any type of way, get somebody else to defend. Like, come on, man, I'm out here doing the heavy lifting. This is before Lowry was doing much of anything. Um, you still want to see him do it consistently, Lowry, that is. Um, Zach still can have that headhunter mentality, that 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 hero ball mentality that gets him into trouble, especially when Kobe gets him shot. That's a, little, that's a dynamic to watch there. But uh, I think that it's it'll be something to, to – to, it'll be interesting to see how they go, are going forth. If they can continue having success, will they try to put that – on Boylan, or will they still find a way to get rid of Boylan? Um, I'm not sure how many more games they're going to win, you know what I'm saying? My question is just that will it be will they try to attribute it to Boylan? Will they try to say that Boylan is the reason for it being successful? Will they say that he his his patience with Sadoransky, that's something that I'm writing for an article for Pivot and Easy that should be out tomorrow before tomorrow's game. Um, his biggest contribution has kind of been uh waiting out Saddle's scoring slump as he's kind of come out of it the last few games. He recently put in Daniel Gafford and Kobe White, but those decisions seem like they took forever for him to make, even though it seemed obvious to everybody else. It just seems like he's slow to react, and, and 
the biggest adjustment that came around for Lowry was him and Zach moving to a two-man game uh, on their own without waiting for confirmation or approval from the coach. If they're if they're if their best move was overriding or, or going around him, then what is he doing then? He's not getting them to play. I mean, it's tough because there there are results there, but they seem to be tuning him out at the same time. It's really, really strange. And that's it's one of those things where you kind of could see why he would have been uh, an assistant all this time. Um, part of being a head coach in the NBA is being an ego manager, uh, just a manager of people and not necessarily being their coach, more of being the guy who's getting everybody, you know, the the, the HR person in the room at all times. Um, the other interesting things to note before we wrap it up, uh, the Suns won again. They are right now sitting at uh, 10 and 11, the third in the, in the Pacific, in the division, still below 500, but it's just good to see them, them doing things with a team that was, you know, basically trash. Uh, for for forever, they had uh, they got they got uh, I, I, I scrolled way too far trying to find this. Um, they won one thirty nine to uh, one thirty two over the the New Orleans Pelicans, and they had book Devin Booker went for forty four. Frank Kaminsky had twenty. You got Ubre Kelly Ubre with fourteen and fifteen, and then you had uh. You also got 13 points from Ricky Rubio and 15 assists. New Orleans had four starters go into double figures, including Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram still, J.J. Redick went 26 on 7 of 11, shooting 5 of 7 from deep. Um, but the, the Pelicans got nothing from their bench, especially Josh Hart and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, they combined to go 6 of 19 from the field uh, and 3 of 13 from 3. So that just was not a good effort from them overall. Um, the earlier games of the Rockets beat the uh, Toronto Raptors. And I talked about the Rockets a couple of weeks ago or a couple of episodes ago, at least um, how they're coming together better than anybody wanted to really give them credit for. They, you know, they're second right now in their division. Uh, and everybody wanted to say that, Oh, you know, they, they two selfish players like that won't work because they're just not going to be uh, able to coexist. Uh, and the Rockets are sitting fifth right now in the West. And it's just good to see Russ and Harden who are friends work past whatever differences that they have and have success on the court together. That's been the best thing. But tonight's game was actually um, a story for uh, Ben McLemore, one of my one of my favorite, you know, I don't want to call him scrum or bum, but like scrub or bum. But one of my favorite low-key players uh, coming out of college, I just thought he would be a lot more uh, successful in the NBA. But tonight he ended up um, putting in major work for them uh, in this game against the Toronto Raptors. He finished the game with a uh, Team high twenty eight points, a game high twenty eight points, um, and on the other side, Pascal Siakam. I saw this post the other day. Is it possible to win most improved most improved player twice in a row? Because this man is looking like a, a legit MVP candidate for this team after looking like again the most improved player last year. That's incredible and a, and a testament to his uh, his work ethic. That's that's tremendous. You love to see stuff like that happen. Um, the Wizards beat the. Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are a weird team. One that I don't think I'll ever get because they just have so much talent, but they seem to drop so many easy wins. Um, they got 33 from T- Tobias Harris, Cole World. Um, 26 from Joel Embiid. 17 from Ben Simmons. But Washington had 27 from Rui. Uh, they got 26 from Brad Beal. And they got 19 from Ish Smith. And they got 25 off the bench from Davis Berton. So, I... <laughs> 
Philly. I just don't know. It's just weird. Like I said, you want, I, I picked Philly to make it uh, out of the East, but the more I watch and the more I see the same team from last year where they're just not a complete team, something is just not quite there to make them a complete team. Complete team. And then the other game, and then I kind of jumped around it because it's such an obliteration. 129-92, uh, the Nuggets over the Knicks. And what makes this interesting is they did this with Nikola Jokic uh, only scoring nine points. Sorry, uh, six points. Eight uh, assists and ten rebounds. And he's kind of had a little bit of a Lowry thing going or a Saddle thing more where he's uh, facilitating. He's still getting rebounds. He's doing the other things, but he's not scoring. He's only had double digits uh, twice in his pet. Six games. Um, and it was 13 points the, against the Lakers a couple of nights ago. They are, like I said, them and the Jazz, who have been a little bit more disappointed than I thought they would be, are two teams that are really talented and they're going to be really good regular season teams, but I just don't know how high of a ceiling either one of them has when you look at every other team in the uh, in the NBA. When you, or especially those LA teams, when you get to the playoffs, you need the star power and they just don't have the star power to keep up with either LA team. And that's one thing that, um, you know, when they the Lakers beat the Jazz the other night, everybody was saying, well, this you know, you get the NBA Twitter, the Lakers Twitter coming alive. Does this validate um, the the Lakers now? Because everybody was talking about their strength of schedule and how they don't, they've been beating up on bad teams. First of all, you can only play who you play. I don't know why they're even entertaining that garbage. They didn't make the schedule. They can only play those teams. Um, and then as far as validation, no, but only because they were already valid. Like, you have two of the best players in the league on your team. I don't know what kind of validation they they feel like they need. And the only validation really for them is going to come in the form of championships. This is the LA Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There is no validation until there is a Larry O'Brien trophy uh, in that tro- another Larry O'Brien trophy, Larry O'B uh, in the trophy case of Staples with purple and gold and not blue and red. Who knows how that's going to play out? So, um, yeah, that's just one of the things that I, I always find interesting. Like, why why is it that that Lakers Twitter or or um, the Lakers fan base is constantly trying to seek that approval when I think they already have it? I don't think you need it for anything else, and I don't think that looking for it anywhere else other than in trophies is going to make them feel like they got it. So um, that's going to do it for this episode of of Triple Zeros. Again, follow me on Twitter, Joshy Buck. Uh, hit up the Facebook page, Dukes and Jumps. Hit up the uh, website, jukesandjumpers.wordpress.com. And, of course, if you need to email me, jukesjumps at gmail.com. Uh, check out Last Word on Pro Football for the football, obviously for the Bears stuff. Uh, and check out Pippin Ain't Easy for all of the Bulls stuff. Until next time, peace. <laughs>